Dear church family, this evening our call to worship comes from Psalm 145, verses 1 through 3. I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Please turn with me in the scriptures to the Psalms and Psalm 23. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So far the reading of God's beautiful and faithful word. Dear church family, the flock of our Lord Jesus Christ, this morning we had the privilege of being able to gather together to partake and participate in the supper of the Good Shepherd, to eat the broken bread and drink the poured out wine in remembrance of what he has done for sinners like like us. In word and sacrament, we were pointed to the one who had laid down with intentionality and purpose his life so that all who have placed their hope and trust in him. Not only assured of the forgiveness of sins, but are also reminded that they have been given eternal life in and through because of the work of Christ. And he's reminded us through this supper that he, and he calls us to do this often, to, to remember him regularly. Until he comes, and he is coming. He says he's coming quickly. Now as we've gathered for, as we gathered this morning, and if by God's grace we were able to partake of the supper of the Lord, the communion is a a time of great spiritual blessing for the believer. It's a time of sweet, refreshing communion with the shepherd, the savior of, the, of our souls. And we, we ask ourselves, and I ask myself, I ask you, was it that for you this morning as you partook? 
Or maybe, maybe you came out of obedience to the Lord Jesus' call to come and come and remember. You come, but you didn't have any special feelings per se. But yet you, you came and fed or strengthened by those visible tokens of bread and wine. Maybe there were those of you who, who came and you have since wrestled. Maybe, maybe the accuser of our souls has come and said, you've made a mistake. You shouldn't have been there. But yet you, you cannot deny. You cannot deny him who has called you, who has found you in that wilderness and brought you home. And so maybe you came, maybe you came with fear and trepidation, feeding on the bread and wine on our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe there were those among, among us who had the right to come, who knew something of what the Lord has done in your own heart and life. And you can't deny it, but yet you failed to come. You failed to heed. Maybe it was out of fear of people, what others would think. Maybe it was the accusations of Satan or his cohorts. And now as the supper has passed, maybe those accusations have, have been poured out. You've denied him again. How could you be a Christian? Or maybe there's, maybe there are some of our young people who did not have a church right to attend. It was your desire to be, the, to be at the supper of the Lord. And you sat, you sat in your bench. And we trust that our Lord Jesus Christ, who knows our hearts, knows your heart, ministered to you. Brothers and sisters, regardless of how the Lord's Supper was for you, there's one thing that remains true. If we are washed and cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ, then you are one of his sheep, whom he will never leave nor forsake. You are one that he will continue to care for with his grace and mercy. For he is the shepherd of his sheep, of his covenant people, the ones that he has called out. And he, as Psalm 23 is going to describe for us, he is going to continue to care for graciously, kindly, mercifully his people. Regardless of the circumstances of your life, for he is a covenant-keeping God. That is, he is a God, he is our God, and we are his people. And with confidence, we can look forward to the rest that he will provide to his people. To restoration when we stray. For comfort in distressing circumstances. For provision and protection in the face of Significant enemies. 
And he calls us to look forward, to long for everlasting fellowship. And these things that we want to look at under our theme tonight, confident in the shepherd's continued grace and care. Confidence in the shepherd's continued grace and care. We're going to look at that as we walk through this psalm, Psalm 23, taking one verse at a time. David begins, David begins this psalm with, The Lord, in all capital letters, Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not want. Verse 1 really forms the, forms the theme of David's, of this psalm. It's his main thought. It's like he's saying, given who my shepherd is, there is and will never be any lack in the life, my life, in this life or in the life to come. And David's going to demonstrate that in five primary ways throughout this psalm. But he begins by making this incredible claim, the Lord is my shepherd. These words and this psalm as a whole have have been a, a great comfort for the people of God throughout the ages, where they take comfort in the fact that there is a shepherd who watches over, who cares for, who leads, who guides, who, as we heard this morning, who knows us by name. And this concept of shepherding, as we've already seen over the past few services, is, is found throughout the scriptures. But in the Old Testament, it's more than just this concept of shepherding, it's more than just a, a pastoral care of the shepherd. But it also incorporates and has the idea of one who rules like a king over his people or over his flock. And kings in the Old, in Old Testament, in Old Testament Israel, but also beyond Israel, were often referred to as shepherds or shepherd kings. It spoke to their, their sovereign and gracious rule over the people, their flock. And so David acknowledges that Yahweh, his covenant God, was his shepherd king. The one who had created all. The one who had, was the glorious redeemer. The one who was the I am that I am. The one who lit, did not need a single thing to exist. He is of and for himself. This one is sovereignly ruling over all with a particular focus and interest on his covenant people. Shepherds, like a faithful king over his people, were, were fearless and courageous. And they led and protected and provided for their flock. Children, you can think of some of the shepherds in the Old Testament. And we can think of David in particular here. You remember how when he had come, he had come to deliver some goods, some refreshing uh, food and drink for his brothers who were fi- fighting for King Saul. And he had heard the taunts of Goliath. And he 
wanted to take up the battle. Who was going to fight against this man? And so he asked, he was brought before Saul, and Saul says, what experience have you had? And remember what David said. He had been one as he was out caring for his sheep. He had killed both a lion and a bear. Shepherds were fearless and courageous as they protected their flock. So as David confesses that Jehovah is his shepherd, he is confessing that the Lord, his covenant-keeping God, will not only tenderly and gently lead and provide and care for him, but he will also courageously defend and protect in times of danger, in times of fear, uh, where, when the sheep are fearful, when he is fearful. And dear believer, this same God is your Lord, is your shepherd, and he's the same one who continues to care for, gently leading, protecting, providing for, but he does so with courage and fearlessness. He fights on our behalf in ways that we don't even recognize. And so no matter what takes place in your life, he remains the faithful shepherd of his flock as a whole, but also for every individual sheep because he knows them all by name, as we heard this morning. David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. And the way it's written in the original, you notice is, is not, is an italicized. It's actually not in the original language. In the original, it just says, the Lord, my shepherd. Or you could translate it, the Lord, the one who is shepherding me. There's an act, there's, there's an element here of this, is David's commenting on the Lord's ever ceasing, ever active care for him. He never ceases in his shepherding of his people. Because they are people that are precious to him. There are people that have been bought with his blood. There are people who are in constant need of care and protection. We are a people who are prone to stray. We are people who will not and cannot survive on our own. We need, we need him. We are people who by nature are restless and anxious in need of convenient food who are surrounded by challenging and difficult circumstances, and you just have to look at your own life. And so David confesses that no matter what is going on in his life, the Lord, his covenant God, is on his side. And therefore, he will not lack a single thing in this life or the next. I shall not want, David says. David isn't being naive to the times of unrest that his soul experienced. 
or the challenging ways that he faced or the presence of enemies that was almost constant in his life. He was a man of war. But he places his confidence in the Lord, his God, who had promised time and time again to be a God to and for his people. And he hasn't changed. And so the people of God, even today, can say with David, I shall not want. I will not lack in any way. Now the skeptic or someone who doesn't know this God might say, well, how, David? How are you not going to lack anything? Well, David goes on to describe how it's possible and what way he will never lack. And it's all to do with who his shepherd is. And so in the first place, David in verse 2 is going to to look at and comment on the Lord's provision of times of much-needed rest for the flock. Verse 2, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. The scene that David paints here in in verse 2 is is one of, of quiet and rest, a peaceful scene. Sheep free from danger and threat of danger, well supplied for, at peace, at resting. But the picture also paints a backdrop, a previous scene. It suggests that by nature the sheep are restless creatures, are often skittish, that are slow to lie down because we're told that they, the Lord makes me to lie down and he leads me into besides still waters. Philip Keller, a shepherd, commenting on this verse, says that sheep will, can and will only lie down when four requirements are met. There must be a definite sense of freedom from fear, from tension, aggravations, and from hunger. Four things, he says, that only the shepherd can provide for to release these anxieties. The sheep by nature cannot free themselves from fear or what's causing the fear. They cannot free themselves from the tensions that maybe even exist in the flock. They cannot release themselves of the aggravations of maybe the flies and the pests and the bugs that are buzzing around them. They cannot feed or bring, bring themselves to find good pastures and still waters. But the shepherd can. And the shepherd does. This is what our text tells us. He, the shepherd, makes me to lie down. The shepherd alone is one who causes the sheep to, to lie down in green pastures. The sheep didn't do this, but it was the shepherd who brought them to these green pastures, to these still waters, and caused them to be free from fear and struggles, tensions, and cause them to lie down 
He's the one who continues to remove the fears of man, the tensions that play in our mind, the aggravations, the hunger. And how does he do this? Well, our Lord Jesus Christ has defeated the enemy. He has conquered Satan. He has, he has paid the price for sin. He has conquered death and the grave. He does this by remaining close to his people. Never leaving them or forsaking them, even when we don't sense it or feel it or, or think it, he's present. He does it by continuing to call out to his sheep, speaking to them, knowing that the sheep know his voice. He sends his spirit to testify with our spirit that we are the children of God. So that no matter what challenge you face, dear child of God, there can be peace, rest, in the midst of a storm, a challenge. And the Lord's Supper in many ways is like this. It's like an, an oasis of rest in, in, a, in, a, in our busy, busy lives. Where the Lord has provided a, a, a moment here where we sat down and reflected on what Christ has done for sinners like us. Was, was the Lord's Supper like that for you this morning? Like an oasis of rest? Did our Lord Jesus cause you to lie down in green pastures this morning beside, to come beside and lead you beside still waters? This word lead, it, it occurs in verse... We have it in verse 2. He leads me beside still water. And another word in verse 3, he leads. Here in verse 2, it has the idea of gently leading. Gently leading by the hand. It's the idea of to lead with care and compassion. This is the word that Jacob uses as he says to his brother Esau when when Esau wants him and him and the flock to to stay up with them and his four hundred men as they as they travel back from towards towards home, and Jacob says, "I can't keep up with you because I need to lead, to gently lead the flocks and the young children." It's the idea of slowly, leisurely, at a pace that's capable of the sheep. So that they wouldn't be rushed or caused to become faint or weary. And friend, this is how the good shepherd leads gently. So that we don't tire and weary. And friends, as we leave the Lord's Supper this morning, as we've left the Lord's Supper, and as we go into this week, this busy week, of various things that may be on your schedule, different challenges that you're already expecting to face. Continue to listen for the Good Shepherd's voice as he continues to lead and guide. Follow him. His gentle leading. 
Don't become discontent and stray, for we are prone to. Even after times of beautiful rest and refreshment, times of plenty, as it were. For is it, how often, isn't it, as we, as we come to verse 3, how often isn't it that after times of sweet refreshment, communion with the Lord, we're prone to let, we're prone to let down our guard, to thinking we can make it on our own for a period of time. Satan maybe picks up the attacks. But we need to be reminded that we can, and so we're warned to not stray. In verse 3, David says, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. The implication here, there's a need for restoration or for return. One can only be restored or returned if they have either fallen back, lagged behind, or have gone astray. So there's times where even after refreshing grace, we can still stubbornly and foolishly try to find meaning and hope in, in our own ways, our own ideas, or buying into the world's thought patterns of what is pleasing but we soon find ourselves away from the Good Shepherd. David knew this. He knew what it was like to take matters into his own hands, to, to indulge himself of something that, was, that did not belong to him. He knew what it was like to stray as he tried to cover his own sins, pretending things were all right. But the Lord, as the Good Shepherd, sought out his servant, Think of the time where he sent Nathan, the prophet Nathan, you are the man. As his shepherd, as David's shepherd, he restored him, led him back into paths of righteousness for his own namesake. This word for lead in verse 3 is different than the word in verse 2. The imagery behind this phrase of he leads me in paths of righteousness has the idea of, of a well, children, you can think of a, a, a track that a wagon keeps going over and it leads, it wears out the grass maybe and maybe begins to make ruts. It's a well-worn wagon trail as it were. That's the imagery behind these paths that the Lord is bringing back, restoring the sheep into. Paths that are well-worn, good paths. This restoration and return can and can only take place as we're brought back into the Lord's good and well-worn paths of obedience to His Word. Paths that have been established, set out by the Good Shepherd. Perfect and right paths that conform to the shepherd's very character and his own righteousness. And dear child of God, as you head into this week and the months that follow the Lord's Supper, a challenge to keep close to the Lord. 
We know our own hearts, how quickly we are prone to stray. Recognizing how our silly and foolish tendencies to leave and try to find other places of rest and refreshment. And so our shepherd calls us even tonight and saying, keep your eyes on me, listen for my voice, but know that if you stray, I will restore you into good paths, the paths of righteousness, not because of who you are, but because of my name's sake. Not only does the shepherd provide places and times of sweet refreshment and rest, not only does he, he restore his wandering sheep, but he continues to comfort his people, even in difficult and challenging times. Times of trouble and discouragement will come, and, and David describes them as dark valleys, the valley of the shadow of death, where the presence of enemies seems to be overwhelming Maybe it seems like death is inevitable. Trouble on every side. These were places that David was intimately aware of as he walked. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He was aware of trouble and dangerous circumstances in his life. But he also knew that the times that he had walked in them, his shepherd was with him. And so he cries out in the psalm, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thou art with me. David recognizes that with his great troubles, that many times that he was on the run, he did not have to fear because his God, his shepherd was with him, who knew all about him. And whose purposes for David, his sheep, were always very good. The picture here that David describes is of a, of a shepherd leading his flock from some valley pasture to, to a, a more mountainous plateau or pasture. But to get there, there would be ravines, narrow paths, steep ravines on one side, maybe the possibility of rocks falling down on the other side. Maybe there were dangerous rushing rivers that may, maybe in, the, in a spring rain like we had this, this afternoon would cause flash floods. There were shadows. It was dark and predators lurked in, in those shadows. And yet the shepherd with confidence was leading his sheep up that path to that good pasture where his, his flock would, would find rest once again. Guiding them, calling out to him, to, to his sheep, to listen to his voice, to follow him. And so, dear child of God, as the Lord leads us from one time of refreshment to another, there can often be, as it were, these valleys of the shadow of death, these dark, challenging times in our lives where the Lord calls out to us to trust Him, 
He's with us. He is with His flock as He as we go through these valleys. With David, we too can say by faith, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. As the Scriptures tell us elsewhere, the Lord is ever with His people. He will never leave nor forsake them. And he's accomplishing his, even his good purposes with his people in the, these dark times, often using them to grow our trust, dependence on him, conforming the people of God more and more to the image of Christ. But how, how does the shepherd lead his flock through this valley, these valleys of the shadow of death? Well, David says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. As the shepherd leads, no doubt he's calling, and he calls his sheep to hear his voice and to follow him, but he also comforts them with the, with the rod and staff. This shepherd's staff that David refers to here was a single staff with two different ends on it. The one end was a club that was used to drive away predators, dangerous predators, and the other end was, the end had a crook on it to be able to, that the shepherd would use to, to snag his sheep and pull it back towards him. Both serving to, to as a means of comfort and care for the, for the flock, keeping them close to the shepherd and warding off enemies. And our shepherd continues to do that with his sheep as he exercises the rod and staff of his word and his spirit. The word of God has been given to the people of God to, to lead them, to guide them, to help them fight off enemies, the attacks of the enemies, but also to keep us close to him. And didn't Jesus even use his own word for these very purposes? Remember when he was being tempted in the wilderness by Satan and, and he, he came with the word. It is written. Again and again he responded to Satan's temptations with his own word of promise. And friends, we are too to use this word as a means of pushing the enemy away, fighting the enemy. And in order to use that word, we need to be in the word. We need to be studying it. We need to know it. And so, dear flock, are you in the word? Are you a sheep who loves God's word, delights to study it, to read it, the whole of it? But it's also this very word that keeps us close to the, to the shepherd. As we heard this morning from John 10, the, the sheep know his voice. And friends, how does the shepherd speak to his sheep today, in our day and age? It's through his word to us. As we read the scriptures, we're hearing the good shepherd speak into our lives. 
So whether it's in our, in our personal devotions, first thing in the morning or at night, the Good Shepherd speaks into our hearts and lives. Whether it's in family worship, the Good Shepherd is speaking into our lives. Whether it's in the public reading of Scriptures in the church service or in a Bible study, the Good Shepherd is speaking into our lives calling us to follow Him, to stay close to Him. The Apostle Paul talks about the Word the, the word being like a sword, the sword of the Spirit. And there's an there's a interconnection here. As we use the Word, we're dependent on the Spirit to apply it, to bless it. We need the Spirit to bless His Word, to as we put off sin and put on Christ, as we, as we apply the promises of Scripture to our various situations of life. He calls us to, to stop at times and to reflect. As Psalm 46 describes, to, to, to stop and to be still and know that He is God, even in the midst of troubles and challenges. I know there are some in our midst who are, who are walking challenging roads right now. Difficulties abound. Whatever they might be, are we able to say with David, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. Because we need His presence. He's not only with us, but as He says in, in verse 5, He's also preparing and protecting us from enemies. Preparing a, a, a mighty provision for us. And protection in the face of certain enemies that are, that are there. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. The Lord as the good shepherd, as the shepherd king, courageously protects and cares for his flock. And he will do, he has done it today, he has done it in the past, and he will do it into the future. Come what may in this life, Christ is preparing for his people places of great provision and protection. David speaks of mine enemies, personal enemies against him that were targeting him. And friend, we have them as well. Satan is a real enemy of the people of God. Our sin is an enemy that must be dealt with and has been in Christ, but yet it, the, that old man still raises its ugly head time and time again. The world and all its attractions, so-called attractions and allurements, 
is a real enemy. All of which attempt to, to pull the people of God away, cause them to fall. Satan and his cohorts, they hate it when God's people are thriving, when they're resting in the finished work of Christ. They hate it when the gospel is going forth. And they will do everything to to thwart it, to cause those times of sweet communion and fellowship to go away. And dear child of God, don't expect any different this week. If you had times of sweet refreshment this morning, Satan will be close by. The evil one will want you to trip up again. The world too will desire you to buy into its standards, her desires, her philosophies, her way of thinkings. And our old man can often and so often does raise its ugly head again. Raising sinful thoughts or ideas that we seem to have done away with so long ago. And yet, there they are again. So brothers and sisters, be vigilant. But remember, the shepherd king is preparing a place, a table, to refresh you once again, even in the very presence of your enemies. He will continue to equip and provide you with what you need to to live in this world, to fight those enemies, to be a witness to those around you. He he equips you with His, His grace and mercy and with His sustenance so that you too can continue to have spiritual warfare against the enemies of our flesh and mind. He calls you to weekly to use the regular and weekly means of grace for those are one of the preparations that the Lord gives to you that as it were that table that he's preparing week by week he he has a table as it were set before you and from the word of God of of his good gifts that are proclaimed to you he calls you to come and worship him to be equipped so that you can go out this week and live for Him to fight against spiritual enemies. To be a bright light and witness in this world. To serve Him and to live godly lives. Not on your own, in your own strength, but dependent on Him. The one who equips and, and empowers even with his spirit as we, as we see this anointing. Thou anointest my head with oil. A picture of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that equips us for service. And he continues, he has poured out his spirit. So that we too can live in his strength. Lives that are filled with faith and obedience. Friends, our shepherd brings us into places of rest, oasis within a wilderness, a barren land. He restores us when we stray. 
He comforts us as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And he equips us and prepares us with tables, even in the presence of our enemies. But he is going to bring us home one day. David concludes the psalm by confessing that the Lord's covenant faithfulness will follow him all the days of his life. And he confesses that it is his desire to live with and for the Lord forever. David writes, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. This could be translated as, Surely goodness and covenant loyalty shall pursue me all the days of my life. The Lord's covenant faithfulness, His covenant kindness, His loyalty towards His people is unwavering. And David says it pursues the people of God all the days of their life. The Lord's mercy and kindness follows the people of God with intentionality and purpose. His mercy, His goodness cannot be avoided, dear children of God. It will follow you. It will pursue you all the days of your life. And it's doing so to accomplish our Lord's, our covenant-keeping God's sovereign purposes in your life. And Paul describes these purposes in Romans 8, so that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purposes. They don't just pursue you here and maybe there, but one moment after another, day after day, as Jeremiah describes, His mercies are new every morning. Again and again, Moment after moment, the Lord's goodness and His mercy pursue, follow after you, dear children of God. And they will do so until either Christ returns or He takes you home. And one of the ways He pursues His people with these covenant mercies and goodness, is through the Supper of the Lord. And this is one of the reasons Jesus tells His disciples, tells us to, to celebrate the Supper often in remembrance of Him until He returns. For each time as we remember His suffering and death, we, were, we are reminded of the Lord's covenant faithfulness that pursues His people. We're reminded of what it costs the Lord to pursue you, dear child of God, with His mercy and His grace. It cost Him His beloved Son, who shed, who laid down His life for His sheep. And He calls us to 
to remember, to know that He will pursue you with those mercies and those graces till He returns. Until He brings His people home to be in His presence. And this is David's hope. As he concludes the, the psalm, he a hope of eternal and uh, of being in the eternal and everlasting presence of the Lord. Unhindered fellowship with his shepherd, his great shepherd, his good shepherd, his shepherd. David puts it this way, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell, I will reside, I will live in the presence of the Lord, my shepherd forever. Unhindered by sin, unhindered by weakness of body, unhindered by enemies, no desires to stray away from him, him anymore into other pastures. Never discontent. Never distracted. But to forever live in his presence. To enjoy him forevermore. To serve him unhindered. To live Fulfilling the very purpose for for which I was created with no sin. To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And friends, the Lord's Supper this morning was but a foretaste of that glorious fellowship and joy. Do you long for unhindered, uninterrupted fellowship with the Good Shepherd? Or is this temporal life, the here and the now, too attractive still? Does it still call for your attention and draw you away? Or maybe you didn't partake of the supper of the Lord at all. Because the Lord is not your shepherd. You've never come to rest in His gracious and merciful care. Friend, if this is you, if you're still attracted by this world and its desires and its allurements, so-called, if you're still one of one who is lost in the wilderness of sin and misery, then you are one who is without a shepherd. And you cannot say with David, the Lord is my shepherd. In fact, you have to say the opposite. The Lord is not my shepherd. And this psalm then becomes anything but yours. For you shall want. You shall not enjoy refreshing times of rest in your busy, selfish life and world. You are not walking in good paths, but you are walking down winding paths of sin that lead to destruction. There are fears and troubles still in your life that you find yourselves in, but the Lord is not with you. And you do not have the comfort of his rod and his staff. 
and you don't have someone preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies because you are in the enemy camp. Unprotected, with no provisions. And you don't have his covenant mercies pursuing you. But rather you have the wrath of the almighty God abiding on you. Friend, if you don't repent, if you don't turn from sin and cling to the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not dwell in his house forever. But you'll be under his everlasting punishment, completely abandoned by him. But friend, the fact that we're here today, in this world, in this life, here in God's house, he once more calls out to you and says to you, Seek ye the Lord, while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy, and he will abundantly pardon. Calls you to come and to rest in him, so that you too one day would be able to say with David, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Gracious God and Father, our good, our beautiful shepherd, the one who leads beside still waters and causes us to lie down in green pastures, the one who restores our soul, the one who never leaves nor forsakes, who comforts with thy rod and thy staff, the one who prepares a table in the presence of mine enemies and anoints me with oil, the one whose mercy and goodness follows me all the days, the people of God, all the days of our life. And may it be our desire with David to dwell in thy house forever. O oh Lord Jesus, we are thankful for the fact that Thou art the Good Shepherd. 
Lord, continue to speak into our hearts and lives. Continue to give us ears to hear. Continue to call us by name. And cause us to go into good pastures. To feed on Thee. And help us, Lord, to walk in ways that are pleasing in Thy sight. To put off sin. And to put on our Lord Jesus. To be more and more conformed to His image. Help us, faithful God. We pray this all in the sovereign, the powerful, the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.